Chris was determined to give e-executives the hit they wanted. That was a no-brainer, but she also knew how to knock it out of the park in terms of what they needed. Going the extra step in thinking about longevity not only for her show, but for the network's bigger picture agenda would endear them to Chris. This meant praise, which she craved more than money. As she studied the Real Housewives franchise, Chris saw a trend that was disturbing. Sure, the Bravo network was reaping huge benefits, but the people on the shelf had a short shelf life. How would they survive beyond the end of their usefulness to the series? Reality stars for the sake of being reality stars was too limited. Few were going to become legitimate actresses, and even then, the instability of an actor's life, going from job to job, was a difficult struggle. So if they had any aspirations for businesses beyond the show, how would they attract attention for their products on their own power without a show behind them? Chris knew she had to think in reverse in order for her children to have a future. She was already in her 50s. An opportunity like this was probably not going to come along again. Keeping up with the Kardashians would serve her kids and not the other way around. By the time E figured this out, the Mummages machine would be too far out of the station to pull back. The scenario she proposed for the first episode of Keeping Up With The Kardashians was the epitome of Kris Jenner. Calculated risk-taking. Sex sells, Chris declared to her kids as she sold them on what was about to happen. To date, there is no evidence that Chris leaked Kim's sex tape in 2006 for the purposes of launching a show, but since it was out there anyway, it was hay for the horses. Welcome back to the Obsession Podcast. I'm your host, Kiri Masters, and I just read an excerpt from a biography about Kris Jenner called Dirty Sexy Money, which I have been drawing on heavily for this series about the rise of Kris Jenner. And we're in part three of the story about Kris Jenner, and this is where the Kardashian family really shoot into the limelight through the TV show, Keeping Up With The Kardashians. And we see the beginnings of the Kardashian-Jenner empire being built. So getting back to the timeline, part one, we talked about how Chris is raised in an upper middle-class family. Her life goal is to get married and have six children and be financially well off. She ends up marrying Robert Kardashian, a wealthy and influential LA lawyer, she gets a taste of the lives of the rich and famous. They divorce after Chris has an affair. Robert cuts her off financially and she has to start over with no assets, no work experience, and four kids. In part two of the series, we talked about the Caitlyn Jenner makeover. And Chris, this is where Chris meets Caitlyn Jenner, who is a retired Olympian who's had a lot of past success doing brand deals and speaking, but is now down on her luck. The money has run out. She is in debt and no longer in the public eye. They marry and Chris reinvents Caitlin and takes over as her manager and publicity agent. She 
Uh, Chris manages to thrust Caitlin back into the limelight, securing more brand deals, not only for Caitlin, but for Caitlin and Chris as a couple. And Chris now begins to dream of having, she starts to dream a bigger dream. She starts to dream of having her own talk TV show like her friend and mentor, Kathy Lee Gifford. And part three that we're going to be diving into today is assembling the Kardashian-Jenner empire. And this, in this episode, I'm going to share how the Kardashian-Jenner family went from having a single star, who was Caitlyn, to a family empire that is now estimated to be worth billions of dollars. And Kris Jenner is the mastermind and facilitator behind all of that. She will get her own TV show as she started to dream of. She will become rich and famous, and we're about to learn how. You and I may not agree with the decisions that she made to get here or her life goals of becoming rich and famous, but it is an interesting study in the nature of obsession and in timing, two ingredients that we discuss on this show as being necessary for worldly success. So let's jump in. In terms of the timeline here, it's 2004 and Chris lives a charmed life, but it's still missing something. Chris's eldest daughters are heading off to college or doing their own thing. She has two very young daughters, Kendall and Kylie, toddlers at this stage, And she has the family with six children she has dreamed about since she was a teenager. Chris and Caitlin are doing the Los Angeles socialite thing, doing brand deals, going to parties, doing the motivational speaker circuit, and it's very lucrative. Chris is Caitlin's manager and agent, and she is damn good at it by now, despite having no previous business experience at all. Chris decides to open a children's clothing boutique in Calabasas in 2004 with her daughter, Courtney. Uh, It's called Smooch. And meanwhile, Kim has her own business selling clothes on eBay while working as a fashion stylist. And later on, the three elder sisters will open a boutique called Dash around the corner of Smooch. And so we can see the seeds of entrepreneurship, but specifically in the fashion uh, industry, being sown amongst all the kids. And they are not afraid of hard work. They all bond over owning and operating these retail stores. But all of this for Chris, the big family, the stores, managing Caitlin's career, still not enough for Chris. She dreams of more for herself and her family. She wants her own TV show because back then, and this is really important, we'll come back to this thread several times in this episode, there was no social media. It's 2004, I guess, you know, it's like the very early days of Facebook and MySpace, um, but they weren't like, they weren't mainstream in, in the way that they are today. To be in the public eye, you needed to be in the mainstream media that was newspapers, magazines, broadcast TV shows. And so that is sort of a distant memory. Now we get a lot of 
news and opinions and in influences are, are followed on on social media but back then tradition this traditional media circuit had one thing that social media doesn't have and that is gatekeepers so now while it's possible today to shoot to stardom based on your Instagram or YouTube or TikTok account back then you needed to be noticed by a media executive you needed to be seen at the right events with the right people you needed to be with a um, you know a, a modeling agency so you had to you had to get past these gatekeepers and Chris Chris knew that she had had known that from very early in her married life with Robert Kardashian Robert was an, an a sort of a, a showbiz um, connector and deal maker and so she saw how that happened with Robert and she had also now been managing Caitlin's career for several years and but so she knew how it all worked and also knew that it was going to be risky to rely on Caitlin as Chris's meal ticket for the rest of her life so but she had been laying the groundwork for the future for several years now and she didn't wouldn't said that she wouldn't have to rely on Caitlin forever and so here's two things that were important at this point and two sort of um, philosophies that Chris had that we'll, we'll revisit later in the episode but one is proximity and being in the right place being in a place where you can rub shoulders with these gatekeepers with the producers with the tv bookers with the agencies so Chris had moved the family into certain neighborhoods and sent her children to certain schools so that they would be mixing with the right people who were other celebrities other entertainment industry people other influential people and so by doing this she was increasing her surface area of luck by being physically in the same place as the people that she wanted to get close to and then as we heard in the last episode once she was in the fancy neighborhood she would throw these lavish parties and invite the neighbors who were the LA entertainment business types and she became known sort of within this community of influential people the second philosophy and thing that she that was related here is networking Chris knew instinctively how to get on and stay on people's radars and she made a real effort to stay in touch with people who might be important to her in the future she would check in with people she would send notes she had many many friends and this was a really critical factor in how keeping up with the Kardashians would be born it was through essentially like a friend of a friend and in turn keeping up with the Kardashians would in fact be the foundation for almost everything else that the family built so looking back this you know being in the right neighborhood rubbing shoulders with the right people staying on their radar staying in touch these were all very extremely critical to the Kardashian Jenners and and empire being built so back to the timeline here when keeping up the Kardashian keeping up with the Kardashians is born so Chris is in the right place and she knows the right people she is friends with a casting director 
who introduces her to Ryan Seacrest, who was an emerging TV producer at the time. This is 2006. There is a reality TV show called The Osbournes, which was very popular. And at that time, Ryan Seacrest was looking to produce a new reality TV series that was similar to The Osbournes because that was so popular. And so he wanted to do a show focused on a dynamic, entertaining family. And so through this casting director friend of Chris's, um, Chris, Caitlin, and the three eldest daughters meet with Ryan Seacrest and his production partner. And the Ryan and, and his partner were immediately captivated by the family's interactions and their drama and their spiciness, I guess. And so the meeting happened and keeping up the, with the Kardashians was, was born. Um, so that was going to debut in 2007 um, with Ryan Seacrest Production Company. It's important to know that at this time, besides Caitlin, who was a well-known Olympic hero and like a national hero, essentially, the family was not well-known in the mainstream sense. There was one figure in the family who was starting to emerge in the public consciousness, and that was Kim, who was in, in 2006, was 26 years old. There was no social media back then, and she was not an actress or a pop star or a newsreader or all these other like traditional paths to stardom, not a model, but she was, Kim was absolutely critical to the early success of keeping up with the Kardashians and therefore the long-term future of the family. And all this starts to, these, there's two things that collide at the same time. You might already know what it is. Um, but we'll pause on the TV show narrative and look at Kim a little more closely, um, who has already started to become famous in her own right. So back in 2006, as we've talked about, there's no social media and the way to get famous is be in the tabloids, essentially. And we're going to talk about how to get famous before social media. So Kim Kardashian and Paris Hilton became friends during their younger years in Los Angeles. Both came from affluent families and they ran in similar social circles and attended the same school, the private Marymount High School. And so here's where that proximity comes in, right? Chris sent Kim to this nice school. She knows Paris from that school. They become friends. And, you know, Paris is this very wealthy heiress, socialite. Um, they start knocking around together in the L.A. social scene, in the New York social scene. And Kim starts working as Paris's closet organizer and stylist. And so during this period, Kim is often shown with Paris attending um, events and, you know, being out and about. So it's important to note here that this is before social media and the primary way of getting in the public consciousness was getting into the tabloids, the magazines, the newspapers. Um, and Paris Hilton was a master at this. It was very calculated. 
where they would go, what they would talk about, who would they, who they would meet. And so the paparazzi would be tracking them going to parties and clubs and things like that. Paris placed Kim under her wing and she became part of this it crowd in New York that was famous for being famous. And so Kim even says herself in an episode of the, the TV show that I really would do anything for her, um, Paris. She literally gave me a career. I totally acknowledge that. So this is, Kim is starting to sort of show up in the news as one of Paris's good friends. So Paris also had a TV show that aired from 2003 to 2007 called The Simple Life with her friend Nicole Ritchie. And what came right before that TV show aired, that shot? Paris to fame and brought in viewers. It was Paris's sex tape. This tape was leaked in 2003, the year that The Simple Life came out, and its unauthorized release brought significant media attention to Paris Hilton. And so while the Kardashian family has long denied leaking Kim's sex tape, there's some understandable reasons why people believe this was the case, because it was a very convenient timing of its release. This tape Kim's tape had been filmed several years earlier, but it happened to be released right before Keeping Up With The Kardashians was first aired, which was such perfect timing. So this speculation about it being leaked by Kim or Chris has existed for a long time. And um, in 2022, uh, Ray J, who was Kim's boyfriend at the time and the other star of the sex tape said like came out and said it, it was Kim and Chris's plan all along that they had leaked the tape that he had to sign a legal contract promising not to say that they did and that since he had been painted as the villain that leaked the sex tape his whole life and reputation had been ruined because of it so just like Paris's sequence of events seven months after the sex tape leak Chris and her family launched their reality TV show on E! Keeping Up With The Kardashians, which catapulted all of them to global fame and ran for 20 successful seasons. 20 seasons really puts this TV show up there in terms of longevity for reality TV. I looked it up and the, the, it's about eight or eight, nine or ten um, ranked in terms of the number of seasons that a reality TV show has had. So very, very successful in terms of longevity there. Um, coming back to that first season though, while the TV show was already in the works in 2007 before the sex tape leak, a lot of the discourse in the first season is actually about the sex tape. So it really, you know, started that season off with a bang. There was a lot to talk about, a lot of drama. It helped to set the tone for the whole show that it was, you know, it was, it was naughty. It was um, subversive. It was going to be high drama. Um, and it, that certainly helped to catapult the whole family to fame, giving rise ultimately to the Kardashian-Jenner's enormous empire of consumer goods businesses and brand affiliations, which we will get into shortly. 
Keeping Up With The Kardashians begins to birth lucrative careers for more family members. By 2010, just three years after the first season aired, the family had reportedly made $65 million through clothing lines, cosmetics and perfume, and mobile games. And this is when Chris emerges into her second act, now as the momager. She takes what she learned from managing Caitlin's career as her manager and agent and uses her experience and skills to manage all of her children's careers. In an interview with Forbes recently, she says, I said to my kids, look, I'm going to put my heart and soul into this. I'm going to work hard and I'll take 10% because that'll make it worth my while. Uh, This is what she said in the article, saying that it was a better deal for them than what a typical manager would charge. Um, Forbes checked with an entertainment attorney whose roster includes other A-list clients and this attorney said that the 10% cut is actually pretty standard. (laughs) So um, she has her finger in the pie of all of her children's careers um, to be fair, you know, has a has a pretty good track record. We will get into some of the failures along the way soon. But just to close out, so this chapter, the Keeping Up with the Kardashians TV show era, um, the fact that it would continue for twenty more seasons, which is a startling long, startlingly long time for a TV show. Very hard to stay relevant for that long. Um, and I think this is where I'll call out a couple more themes that we will touch on at the end as well that are related to their longevity. So let's talk about two of these themes that made the TV show so successful and stay relevant for so long. So the first one is reinvention is the currency of survival. Along Chris's own personal life, but certainly during this Keeping Up With The Kardashians era, we've seen a lot of reinventions. Chris reinvented herself from a stay-at-home mom to a businesswoman. She reinvented Caitlyn Jenner from a has-been to a, a star again. And later we will see her help her family evolve beyond traditional media and relying on traditional media to building their own profiles in social media. So a couple of things that happened here in the Keeping Up With The Kardashians is she ended up uh, signing new content deals with platforms like Hulu, the new streaming platforms, acknowledging the changing landscape of viewer preferences. So Keeping Up With The Kardashians was on a um, you know cable network, Obviously, we've seen cable decline over time and new streaming platforms like Netflix and Hulu um, emerge as preferred destinations. And so the most recent incarnation of the Kardashians TV show is now on Hulu. We also have within the family, the age gap between Kim and Kylie is 17 years. And so Chris talks about basically having two generations of two generations within the, 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 just the children of the family, meaning that she's been able to keep her finger on the pulse culturally for a lot longer 
than if you just had a couple of kids spaced a couple of years apart. So she's able to, she has prove, proven an ability to adapt herself, to reinvent other people like Caitlin and help the family evolve over time as the landscape changes. The other theme from this era is that any publicity is good publicity. So she turned, at this point, she has turned a number of personal scandals into ways, into profitable ventures or ways to get more attention on the family. So one is Kim's sex tape. So it this sex tape brought significant attention to Kim and by extension, the entire Kardashian family. Despite the scandalous nature of the tape, Chris was able to uh, capitalize on the heightened media visibility, turning this into a public opportunity. Um, Chris was an executive producer on Keeping Up With The Kardashians, and so she had a hand in all of this. She negotiated her way in there. So the, the whole you know focus in the first season on Kim's sex tape, that was very much something that Chris directed. This was not done without having her hand in it. So um, definitely a strategic approach to leveraging that incident for broader exposure. There are some other examples of any publicity is a good publicity that we'll come back to later on, but this is definitely, you know, making hay while the sun shines in that situation. So now I'm going to close out the Kris Jenner life story timeline itself before coming back to some more of those character traits and life philosophies that have made Kris successful. We've talked about a few already, but there are nine that I'm going to cover off. Um, so just to wrap things up here, beyond keeping up with the Kardashians, um, that the, the family really evolves um, with the times with social media. So um, Kim joined Twitter in March 2009 and quickly became one of its more prominent users. And social media we'll see becomes somewhat of a flywheel for the family. They use, they, they all get onto social media at different ages and um, different channels. So, you know, the younger family members are, started up with Snapchat and TikTok and then we have Kim you know one of the OGs on Twitter and Facebook and they start to really lean into this they use social media to promote the show they use social media to promote their various business ventures and so and and vice versa as well a dramatic moment on the show can become a hot topic on social media drawing viewers into the next episode. Social media posts tease new product drops, leading to direct sales or increased brand visibility. And successful businesses and products launched by the family can be showcased on the reality show and through social media, which also enhances the value of future brand endorsements. And we've probably heard some crazy figures about how much Kim Kardashian gets paid for a single Instagram post. Um, so the fact that they are able to move so much product through social media, but then also their TV show and, you know, the wheel keeps spinning because they use 
their profiles to promote the show and they use the show to promote their profiles and all their various business ventures. So on that note, we will talk about their various business ventures. And one theme that I saw here, which I think is very interesting, is the evolution of the, I'd say the sophistication of their business ventures. Early on, mostly everyone is doing brand endorsements. And this is a carryover from the Caitlyn Jenner era, where Chris is negotiating, you know, Caitlyn had been like the face of Wheaties, the Wheaties cereal boxes, and all these, you know, I think there was orange juice and things like that, whole range of brand endorsements that they had done and done together. There was a, you know, exercise equipment line that they were both spokespeople of. So they all start out doing endorsements and brand deals and being spokespeople and things like that, which you'd have some perhaps initial payment for that and or a royalty over time. But over time, they have all progressed into building their own companies where they are actual co-founders and owners. And even very recently in 2023, Kim partnered up with um, someone else in the private equity space and launched a private equity company um, that is investing in consumer goods brands. So over time, this evolution of sophistication of the business models that they're employing um, going from, I guess we could also include those uh, those stores that they opened, Dash, Smooch, um, Kim's eBay, <laughs> Kim's eBay store. So yeah, over time, they've gotten a lot more sophisticated there. And of course, another big event that's worth noting here is that Caitlyn Jenner publicly announced that she is a trans woman in 2015 and would be undergoing a gender transition and Chris and Caitlyn divorced that same year in 2015. So what a life. Um, Chris Jenner is um, now a grandmother several times over. I follow her on Instagram and she is still out there throwing these very um, over-the-top parties out there on yachts, living her best life, spruiking her children's um, brands as well. It's, it's very interesting looking at Chris Jenner's Instagram bio. She links out all of her children's brands, um, Skims and Good American and Safely and all these ventures that they have developed together over the years. Um, and very sort of notable success here in terms of net worth as well. In 2022, Forbes estimated Kris Jenner's net worth at $200 million. Her daughter, Kim Kardashian, has an estimated net worth of $1.8 billion. Um, and her daughter, Kylie, is worth an estimated $680 million. So between her and her six children, they also own or partly own 15 businesses and Besides all of that, a lot more in terms of brand endorsements and speaking and, and those kind of things, being talent. So I'd like to recap now a few of these, a few maxims that describe Kris Jenner's life philosophy and some of her character traits that I think have made her who she is and made the family who they are. The first is 
funny. It's it's counterintuitive and it's something that Chris would I'm not sure like how willing she would be to admit this, but it is playing second fiddle. Chris has this phrase that she often repeats, which is family first. And I think what she means is putting the family first, like I'll drop everything for my children. But it has another meaning to me, which is that Chris used her family as the foundation for her own uh, fortune. As we've seen, she's rarely the one at the center stage. Instead, she gets her power in playing the supporting role and helping other people in the family, notably Caitlin and Kim and now Kylie, helping them to get on the center stage. She has attempted on a number of occasions to be at the center stage and it often hasn't really worked out for her. Things do much better when she is helping a family member get famous and more power. And by extension, she gets more power. She's taking her 10%. So I'll call out a couple of these like notable failures that she's had when she has actually been the one at center stage. One is where she finally gets her own TV show, her own talk show. It's called Chris and it's in 2013. And it was, it only got picked up for one season. It wasn't, wasn't picked up for a second season, which is not <laughs> what you want to happen to your talk TV show. Um, just, it, it just never went anywhere. Uh, she's had a couple of makeup lines in collaboration with um, her daughter Kylie. Kylie Cosmetics is very, very popular. And there was a collection in 2018 called the Chris Collection. And, oh, the, no, sorry, it was called the Momager Collection. And it was released in time for Mother's Day in 2018. It had very sparse reviews and very few verified TikTok and Instagram influencers posting about the product. So we don't know what the absolute sales were for that product line, but just looking at product reviews and how much attention it got from influencers, it did not go down very well. She published a cookbook in 2014 called In the Kitchen with Chris. It was widely panned. Um, it did, despite some publicity attempts, it did not sell very well. Um, so that was a, a bit of a bummer. All of this, though, is, is hardly a loss. She has she's able to have a lot of control from behind the scenes. She was, as I mentioned, she negotiated executive producer rights for keeping up with the Kardashians. She takes 10% of her kids' earnings because she is managing their careers. And it's turned out, you know, not to be such a bad thing for Chris to be the supporting act, both for her and for her family members. She is, she is good at that. And the times that she has tried to strike out on her own haven't worked out so well. Back to number two, geography is destiny. So this is something I mentioned earlier in the episode is that literally being in the right place to increase your surface area of luck. I talked about how Chris moved her family strategically to these fancy neighborhoods in LA uh, where her kids were able to go to the right schools. They were mingling with their neighbors. They were able to hobnob with other entertainment people. Um, and that ultimately helped her to get 
the uh, the TV show and for you know Kim to become friends with Paris Hilton and things like that. So all of that proximity is really important. Uh, very early in her life, this is going back way back to part one, Chris was actually from San Diego and moved to Los Angeles to be to to be with her um, to be with Robert Kardashian and being just being in LA in the heart of the entertainment industry proved very important over time. So I think this idea of, especially in an era where we can work from anywhere, we can work remotely. Um, I personally think that it's, it's, it's really important to be in the right place with the people who are going to be supportive and inspirational and helpful, even though you could live anywhere. Um, it, I think Chris's life really shows us that, that geography is destiny. And that's a big takeaway for me. Factor number three, reinvention is the currency of survival. So we talked a little bit about this before, about how Chris reinvented Caitlin. Um, but And the family also evolved from traditional media to social media. So this was a key factor in expanding the Kardashian brand beyond traditional media outlets and entering into other profitable endorsements and partnerships. First, it was Kim on MySpace and then Twitter, and then several members of the family, including Kim, um, created their own games and apps. There is a game called Kim Kardashian Hollywood that came out a long time ago, and some of the kids went on to develop their own apps and digital content to monetize their personal brands directly. So adaptation and reinvention has been a huge um, re requirement for that family to stay relevant after 20 seasons on, on TV as well. Factor number four, the diligent are trusted with great tasks. Kris Jenner is organized, clean and reliable. She shows up on time for meetings. She follows through and does what she says she'll do. And apparently in Hollywood, this is quite rare. Um, the CEO of Glue Mobile, which was the company that created uh, a famous game about the Kardashians, said this in an interview. What I love about Chris and Kim is that they are both very disciplined, turn up on time, and do what they say they're going to do. He says, it sounds simple, but there is a short list of Hollywood people who do that. So this is, I think, this theme of hard work, of discipline. Chris talks, Chris, you know, she recently launched a, a cleaning products company and talks about how she likes things to be ship shape, clean, organized, tidy. She just has that disciplined uh, approach to life and working hard and getting things done and there is an episode uh, of Keeping Up with the Kardashians that demonstrate how her own daughters have taken this on board where Kim and Courtney literally come to blows talking about how they work harder than each other calling each other lazy and no I work harder than you so they really you know Chris and also the other members of the family really identify with this character trait of working hard and hard work is good and discipline. 
So I think that that is, you know, because we can see these Hollywood people and influencers fairly, you know, frivolous, um, we don't think about them being such hard workers. But I think in this case, they really all are. Success factor number five, don't just own the horse, own the racetrack. The family initially started out doing brand endorsements and relying on traditional media, TV and magazines. This all comes at a risk. A brand can drop you as a spokesperson. The TV show can get cancelled, as we have seen. Over time, the Kardashian-Jenners moved from being just the talent to creating their own brands and companies and creating their own content and media. They went from owning a single horse to owning the whole racetrack. And I think this is super important for their longevity and risk mitigation is that there is a whole Kardashian flywheel now. They have a huge following from the TV show. They parlayed all of that into social followings, being early adopters of social media. Big social followings beget brand deals and business opportunities. And so this family, by showcasing their personal lives, teasers for TV episodes and new product launches, they're using social media to fuel all of that. And then the brand endorsements also help to fuel the TV show and that following on social media as well. So this cross prom- ability to cross promote and the fact that, you know, the, if they canceled the TV show, it wouldn't really matter because they have the social media. They have their essentially their own media platforms, um, I think is really, really important. And that has taken a long time, but it's ultimately where you want to get as a family dynasty is not just owning a single part of that value chain, but the whole value chain. Success factor number six, if someone says no, you're talking to the wrong person. This is a, a, a phrase that Chris likes to say. And I think that understanding her life story really gets you to see that play out in her life. Chris's story exemplifies the idea that steadfast determination and an uncompromising approach will lead to achieving one's desired destiny. She was rejected for TV show, talk TV shows at least twice um, that I read in this biography. So one where someone else was the shoe-in all along and Chris, you know, she auditioned for it and they thought that she was good, but someone else was always going to be the top pick. Um, she missed out the first time when it was all coming together and she was going to be a co-host with OJ Simpson and then uh, the OJ Simpson trial starts. So that all uh, goes away, but she never gives up. She wants a talk TV show. She eventually gets one because she keeps, um, keeps going, keeps asking for it. Um, we see this also shape out in managing Caitlin's career. She came in, Caitlin was in debt, nothing going on. She cut the fat, renegotiated the contracts, found the real decision makers at these brands, sought out the brands that she wanted to work with and started pitching them. So she just has this ability to not take no for an answer. She will just keep going until she gets what she wants. 
um, and that has held her in good stead. Success factor number seven, being a mummager is the best job in the world. So, so Chris Jenner has actually trademarked this term, the mummager, M-O-M-A-G-E-R. She is the family CEO. She takes a 10% cut for managing her children's public careers and companies. And she has always carefully managed the family's finances, negotiated the contracts. Um, she has used her sharp financial acumen to craft her own success story and that of her children as well. While she has had modest success of with her own brands, the big winners have been when Chris took a back seat. And luckily, the house always wins. If another member of the family wins, then Chris wins as well. And so being the momager has put her at the center of all of that. And wow, what a great result that has all led to. Success factor number eight, any publicity is good publicity. We touched on this earlier in the episode when we learned about the perfect timing really of Kim's sex tape being leaked and the first season of the Keeping Up With The Kardashians TV show. So Chris used that. She was the executive producer of that TV show and um, allowed, if not engineered, a lot of the topic for the first season to be about Kim's sex tape because, as we read in the excerpt from that biography, sex sells and it really set the tone for a high drama TV show that Keeping Up With The Kardashians ended up being. So turned that incident that you know some people might have found embarrassing or shameful, um, turned that into um, a big public moment for the family. Another example of any publicity is good publicity is Caitlyn Jenner's gender transition and her response. In a broader public moment, Caitlyn, then Bruce's gender transition became international news. Chris faced questions regarding their relationship and their past in a very public manner. With Caitlyn's revelations stirring controversy and sympathy alike, Chris utilized the situ situation to engage public sentiment and potentially boost show ratings and her personal brand re relevance, as evidenced in the recollection of Chris's emotional reaction on her show's trailer to reading Caitlin's autobiography. So some you know, troubling things about their relationship, Chris is reading the autobiography and reacting to it, that's gonna get people tuning in to the TV show to do that. And then the third example here is dealing with infidelity and public image. So <laughs> Chris um, brought on her ex-lover, that she had an affair with uh, while she was married to Robert Kardashian. His name's Todd Waterman. I think he was a soccer player. She brought him on to the TV show, Keeping Up With The Kardashians. And so that was a pretty high drama move. Got a lot of attention for the show. Rumors, infidelity, family dynamics, all were proven at this point to draw viewers in and keeping the family in the media regardless of the nature of the story, was very beneficial to sustaining 
public interest and show ratings. And finally, final success factor here is appearances matter. Chris understands that beauty and branding go hand in hand. The emphasis on appearance and grooming is not just a personal vanity, but a strategic choice for the family brand. Chris is a perfectionist. Um, that is a trait that has been passed down from her mentors and that is reflected in meticulous detail to her personal appearance and also all her other endeavors. So some examples here, beautifully executed events that attracted not only the attention of wealthy neighbors in her, um, in, at her mansion, having these big, beautiful um, Halloween parties and Thanksgiving dinners and things like that, but also attracts the attention of the mainstream media, such as when she threw a big 20-year uh, celebration for Caitlyn to celebrate 20-year anniversary of uh, her winning the decathlon. Um, Chris also leveraging physical beauty. Chris has always been a physically attractive person and she has leveraged that beauty to attract wealthy and famous men into her life. She recognized physical beauty in her daughters and leaned into that and, uh, you know, really promoted things that they could do that are centered around beauty and appearances. So Kendall is a fashion model. Kylie has this huge beauty empire. Kim has done a number of those things too. So this has been sort of part of the Kardashian brand for a long time. On that note, there is a very specific Kardashian look that became a trademark for the women in her family. Dark eyes, nude lip, monochrome fashion, that became a personal trademark for Chris and a professional tool. It's consistent, it's memorable, and she really just understands the power of that branding. She has said herself she is very much a perfectionist, very clean, very organized. She said um, in her autobiography, I have to have everything in my life completely organized and perfect. Otherwise, I am a complete mess. So that is it. That is for now the story of Kris Jenner. We, there may be some future developments. Uh, this is a family that attracts drama and attention. That is the whole brand of the Kardashian Jenners. Um, but I really enjoyed getting into this story, not because I want to emulate Kris Jenner, but I think that her path from a nobody into a somebody and this enormous family empire that she has built is absolutely fascinating. So I hope you have enjoyed learning about Kris. I would love to hear what you think of these success factors, whether or not, you know, which, which of these you would want to emulate for yourself and which you would prefer to leave by the wayside. I hope you've enjoyed learning about Kris Jenner as much as I have and some of these takeaways. Thank you so much for tuning in. I appreciate you being here and I'll see you on the next episode of Obsession.